Welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast. Happy Thursday to you all. Uh, we're a day late getting this. We wanted to go after um, the DePaul game last night uh, for Xavier, so we could kind of recap that. Is you know, I had a little bit of a run here these past couple days, past you know week week or so for Xavier basketball, past couple weeks really. Um, but really getting into the thick of it now, into the thick of conference play. Uh, so we want to recap all that for you and kind of preview this next stretch of the season. Um, and so yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, but first, let's uh, we'll, we'll kind of go through all of our big notable results from the past um, excuse me past couple weeks uh, or past week or so, and then we'll also get into a couple other headlines, um, and then we'll get into our normal our normal deal. So, welcome in. Thanks for joining us here Thursday, January nineteenth. It's eight p.m. local. Graham, what's the you know? I mean, what are, what are the feelings like? How's the how's the semester? You know, what's What's new for you uh, here in Norwood? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a good time to be a musketeer. Um, you know, apart from last night, I'd say everything was going perfect. You know, one of the hottest teams in the country, getting some big wins on the road and at home. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I mean, that's kind of just been like the main storyline. I mean, there's just a lot of happiness and a lot of joy around. Um, Love that. Love that. Yeah, being a Xavier Musketeer right now. Um, And when your team's winning, everything else just seems to fall in place. You know, school, friends, everything's going well. Um, But another great opportunity out here on this Thursday evening. Yeah, talk some hoops and, you know, just get all Norwood up in here. (laughs) Love all that. Love all that. Graham, answer me this. Will the Big East champion this season have over or under five and a half losses? Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go the under because I that. think um, it's going to be either Xavier or Marquette. And I don't see Marquette dropping... Um, three or I guess it would be more than three games and I don't see us dropping us dropping more than four yeah um I I think that uh while you know Big East is grueling and you know you're gonna play a lot of games in tough environments I mean that's one of the beauties about you know Big East sports is that it is the thing to do for a lot of these campuses absolutely couldn't couldn't agree more um so you know there's a lot of buzz around each of you know, the Big East respective programs. Um, so I, I just think that even though, you know, you have to run the gauntlet and, you know, the Big East does it right in terms of scheduling. You play every team home and away. Well, um, I, I still just 
feel like that there's a little bit of a gap right now um, with Xavier and Marquette, just the way that they've been playing games. And I just can't imagine that both teams uh, end the season with five losses or more. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was kind of our overall takeaway from last night. We'll get into last night later. Um, obviously, a tough scene in Chicago and a, and a really difficult and hard-fought game. Um, but that was my biggest takeaway kind of coming away from last night. I was like, you know, the winner of the Big East is going to have five or so losses, you know, four or five losses. So not too concerned about that one. But we'll get back to that later. Let's go back to January 11th. Take yourself back. Um, kind of a sneaky loaded slate that Wednesday. Obviously, Xavier played Creighton took care of business in 198-87, and we'll get into that later uh, during the Musketeer Minute. But I think the big takeaways was kind of how loaded that slate was. So real briefly, Wednesday night slate last week, January 11th, Alabama took down Arkansas pretty handily. Marquette beat UConn at home. <clears throat> Texas won at home against TCU. Um, so of those games, Graham, you know, what were kind of the big ones um, really from the middle of the week last week? You could include – you know, Thursday as well, nothing too crazy going on Thursday outside of Gonzaga taking care of business against BYU. Um, but, yeah, from the middle of the week last week, what were your big uh, kind of takeaways going into last weekend? Uh, the big one is, you know, Alabama going into Bud Walton Arena and taking down Arkansas. Um, Alabama, I think, has been in a league of their own this year. Um, and I, I think uh, main credit, uh, Nate Oates' offense is just insanely efficient. I think that they're doing a lot of things. Uh, right in Tuscaloosa. Um, but aside from Nate Oates, my big takeaway from Alabama this year has been Mark Sears. Mark Sears was a OU, Ohio University transfer. Um, you know, he's you know kind of an undersized guard, probably like six foot, you know, with shoes kind of guy. Um, and he has risen to the occasions, kind of been leading this team. Um, he had a very, very loud... Um, 20, 26 points against Arkansas. Um, you know, turns the ball over like two times a night. He's um, averaging about four assists, shooting efficiently. He's been unbelievable. And um, I think that was, you know, Alabama's big problems is that they have they were kind of scoring by committee. And while their offense has always been efficient the past few years, um, now that they have a guy that they could turn to like day in and day out, you know, Javon Quinley, J.D. Davison, uh, some of those guys coming to mind that you never really knew what you were going to get from them. Um, but I think that they have done a great job this year, um, and Sears is a big part of that. Um, another you know, touch on is um, Texas getting a big win against TCU. Um, I have been thoroughly impressed with what Texas has been able to do post-Chris Beard to Rodney Terry has done a really, really mm-hmm. good job so far with the Longhorns. Yeah, uh, whenever you lose a coach, especially to that icky of a situation, um, it puts it in perspective like that these athletes are still kids. I mean, you got 17, 18, 19 year old kids um, doing a big step in their life, you know, playing collegiate basketball. A lot of pressure. Texas fans are crazy. Um, the amount of money that goes through that campus, it, I mean, there's just as a brand, Texas is insane. So the fact that they were able to not only kind of stay afloat, but to play this well, gain a big win against TCU, I think is a testament to um, the program as a whole and to the players specifically, what they've been able to do um, after the entire uh, storm that Chris Beard left them with. Right, absolutely. Good to agree more. A couple good midweek results there. Going into the weekend, 
a couple big storylines, a couple not-so-big storylines. Um, I'll run you through them. Kind of an upset-filled Saturday. You know, we, we kind of thought that it was, oh, you know, just an okay slate on Saturday. This was the most upsets or most most higher-ranked. I think it was the most ranked teams that lost uh, since January 29th, 2011. Um, so, yeah, pretty impressive stat there and just a really impressive slate of games. I'll run you through them, um, and then we can kind of go from there. NC State does well, wins uh, at home against Miami, 83-81 in overtime. Kentucky shocks us all. I mean, are you kidding me? They won 63-56 at Tennessee. Really got things done on the defensive end there, holding Tennessee to 56 points. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, just I, I guess they got some things going in the right direction. They kind of started pulling in the right direction there for uh, for Kentucky. So good to see them turn around. Um, obviously, if you study yourself here, like you're still going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, but there for a while, it kind of looked like it was getting a little shaky in Lexington. But maybe you're able to stay the ship here and still you know make the tournament and get a decent seat. But we'll have to see. Uh, what's to come? Indiana won at home against Wisconsin. Pretty, uh, you know, astoundingly great win. 63-54, or excuse me, 63-45. Indiana won. Trace Jackson Davis leading the way with 18-12. Uh, great win for the Hoosiers there. Good. Needed to say that, Chip. I mean, as Xavier fans, we need Indiana to continue to win games because, um, they're you know, them kind of falling apart down the stretch here uh, hasn't been great. So uh, interested to see what comes for them. Arkansas goes two losses last week. Vanderbilt beats them 97-84. Uh, on the road in Nashville. Um, a good win for Vanderbilt. I don't think it means too much for their season. And honestly, I don't think it means too much for Arkansas. I mean, they're, they're down their two best players. Um, Ricky Council is now kind of leading their team. He's doing a great job, but Musselman's got a little bit of a situation on his hands, you know, trying to handle everything without their two best players there. So interested to see what moves on from there. Um, TCU gets a win over Kansas State, 82-68. Great win for TCU. Got to keep getting those resume builders in the Big 12. That's the difference between like a three and a six seed there, I think. You know, if you continue to win those tight um, and super competitive games. Creighton beats Providence, 73-67. I think that game was very, very evenly matched. It was a fun watch. Um, really enjoyed watching that one. Creighton still waiting to see it. Like, I think that, you know, obviously really put it together there well against Providence. Um, but I, I, I do think this team can make the tournament. I still, like, really believe that. Um but they got to get some things turning, you know, quickly. And obviously, that was a good way to start it there with a good win over Providence. Florida won at Missouri, 73-64. Uh, excuse me, at home against Missouri, 73-64. Good win for the Gators. Um, again, similar situation with Indiana. Xavier fans definitely want to see some more wins out of them. Kansas snuck away at home, 62-60 over Iowa State. This Iowa State team is legit. Otzelberger's great. We saw a great Twitter meme Graham you sent over. Um, talking about uh, Tyrese Hunter. Um, I don't know if you all saw that, but uh, the Hilton fans had some some great signs for uh, for the Iowa State game on against Texas um, this past Tuesday. But yeah, I, I think that this Iowa State team is legit, legit. Um, them, Kansas State, and Kansas share the top of the Big Twelve right now, um, and I think all three teams are legitimate tournament threats coming on the stretch here. Clemson won at home against Duke. Um, they were undefeated in the ACC play until the middle of the week this week, so. Uh, keep your eye on Clemson here. They might be might be a little sneaky little tournament team here uh, coming up soon. Oregon rolled Arizona. Uh, that also included the dunk of the year. Um, <laughs> maybe, possibly. Uh, ridiculous poster early on in that game. Uh, Oregon just absolutely rolls Arizona. I don't know that this Oregon team can make the tournament. Um, but with wins like that, that's a good way to start kind of building that resume if you want to have an outside chance. And then the last big one was... 
New Mexico beating San Diego State 76-67 at San Diego State. Again, Mountain West is a gauntlet. You know, a lot of really top-tier teams. A lot of teams, I think they have one of the highest amount of teams in the top 70 in the net um, out there that's, uh, you know, in, in any of the conferences. So um, interesting to see how they're kind of getting into some inner warfare there, but a great win for New Mexico and for the Lobos um, to kind of settle the ship there after taking two shaky losses, especially that one um, on the road to Fresno State. Uh, a couple weeks back. And then Sunday, just two really notable results, two Big East games. Obviously, Xavier taking care of business, knocking off Marquette in a great top 25 matchup, outscoring the Golden Eagles 36-20 in the second half. Um, Sule Boom with some, as Sean Miller said, some two Holloway-esque um, closing towards the end there. So really fun to see that. And then St. John's kind of rolling UConn. And UConn, again, taking another loss in the middle of the week this week, kind of falling apart a little bit. So, um First, let's go. We'll talk to you in a second, but first, Graham, weekend takeaways. Kind of, what's the big uh, headlines that stuck out to you? I kind of gave you my two cents on uh, on what was going on there. But what were your biggest takeaways? Um, big one uh, was Kentucky. Uh, you know, taking down Tennessee that was huge. Um, and Kentucky's been able to piece together uh, three straight wins. And I think that. Um, this was like kind of a wake up call for Coach Cal. Yeah. Um, he heard the rumblings, um, and if I was Coach Cal, I'd take a lot of disrespect to that after um, an illustrious career that he has had. Um, you can say what you want about him, his coaching style, his personality method, but at the end of the day, he gets shit done. Um, and I think uh, you know the way that he said, you know, no phones on the road trip and. Um, just settling down, shake, shaking up the rotation. He's putting five guys on the court that are going to play hard. And I think it's proving um, that, you know, the noise of the anti-Kentucky um, tournament hopes, like maybe we're a little too quick. Um, getting a huge win at Tennessee is crucial. Uh, and for- I, will, I will hand up. I will put myself in that boat. I really thought, like, the, the train was off the rails for, for Kentucky, and they seem to have turned it around pretty well. Yeah, I think at at the end of the day, um, if you give you know Coach Cal, I mean the athletes that he's able to recruit, he's gonna be able to piece something together. Um, so that's great. I think it's great for the sport that Coach Cal has been able to turn this around. Hopefully, it continues. Um, uh, you know, additionally, um, Indiana uh, hosting Wisconsin in a pivotal pivotal game. Um, they were one and four in the Big Ten going into this game, um, and they were able to not only um, get a big win, but just really dismantle uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's now dropped a few games, so I think like the Big Ten's kind of starting to become like what we said uh, it was going to be, you know, in non-conference and before the season that it's going to be Purdue and then just a whole bunch of what, right? Like um, who knows what the middle of the Big Ten looks like right yeah, now? Yeah, so like Wisconsin, you know, was one of the highly favored, you know, top tier Big Ten teams. They drop a few games and get smoked by Indiana. Um, I think that was that was huge for Indiana. Um, it levels the playing field a little bit, and then Creighton getting a big win against Providence. Um, I think Creighton's kind of starting to piece it together. And I don't think it's too late either. I think they have the talent to, um, you know, build a great resume. And I think even if it came to it, I think they could win the Big East tournament. I think 
the talent alone on their team um, is one of the best in the country. I totally agree. They're a team that, like, they scare me. Like, if they get hot, you know, if they're a 7, 8, 9 seed, like, they, if they get hot, like, they could really run through some, through some teams in the Big East and in the NCAA tournament. Yep, and um, we'll talk about Marquette Xavier in a little bit, but St. John's dismantling UConn. I mean, it wasn't even close on the start. Now, Grant, I haven't gone back and watched the highlights. Have you? I mean, I, I heard that bit. it was there were 50 fouls called and there were four texts. Like, I, I don't really know what happened, um, but it seems like it got fairly out of hand. Yeah, I think um, St. John's getting that big win. It's huge for them trying to get back to, uh, you know, on the upper half of the Big East. Um, but I think it's even worse for UConn. Um, you know, this was a one of the top teams in the nation for a while, almost the best team in America um, in the AP poll. And they've dropped some really questionable games. And at what, I'm, in my opinion, it's like at what point are we like, are they for real? Um, I mean, well, I mean, we saw it again last night. We'll get to yeah. that here in, in this next segment. But it, really, things are starting to look bleak for UConn. Yeah, and metrically, I mean, everyone still loves them. I think they're like top ten in Ken Palm still, but they've they're below five hundred in the Big East. And I mean, I could that ain't good, coach. Yeah, we we could talk about how hard the Big East is and drop games, and you know, you're gonna run the gauntlet, you're gonna run into troubles, and that's all well and good. But losing like five in a row is a way different. Um, scenario than losing a fluke game by single digits on the road. Right. Yeah, totally agree. So, um, all right, get, and then get into the middle of the week stuff this week. Um, Monday, I always love this, and they've done this the last couple of years, but MLK Day, they always throw a couple games on during the afternoon. Uh, the big one for me on Monday was Purdue at Michigan State, and it lived up to it. Purdue won by one, 64-63. It was a fun watch. Zach Eady did his thing with 32-17. and 17. I mean, I, I really do think, similar to how we're talking about the Big Ten is kind of Purdue and everybody else, I kind of feel like the National Player of the Year race, you know, barring any injuries or, you know, any serious declines in performance, like, it's kind of Zach Eady and everybody else. I think this dude has got National Player of the Year written all over him. Um, so that was a fun watch, uh, but Purdue takes care of business. Great win. Michigan State still, I think, a quality tournament team. They'll kind of be that, you know, that 6-10 to 10 range in the in the seedings would be my guess. Um you know, maybe that's a little, little low, maybe five to eight or nine, but um, somewhere in there. And I think Purdue is still, you know, vying for a, a number one, if not a number one overall seed at this point. Um, and then Tuesday was a great slate. We were actually uh, Graham and I, the Norwood Noise podcast went north. We were up in Dayton on a Tuesday night watching his Wildcats, uh, Davidson Wildcats, traveling to Dayton. Um, it was a fun evening. Uh, we missed a good slate though. So uh, you know, while while Davidson fought hard, and unfortunately. Uh, took the loss to, um, excuse me, to Dayton. Uh, we we missed a good slate. So Tuesday night, um, Sunflower Showdown, Kansas, Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State knocking off Kansas by one in overtime. Um, Hawks fought valiantly. Jalen Wilson had 38. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, Desi Sills had 24. Like this, and Kante Johnson also had 24. This Kansas State team is legit. Like I, I don't think there's anything fluky about this. And that's not just to say just because they beat Kansas. They've beaten some really good teams in the Big 12 this year. And I think Jerome Tang is awesome. I love what he's doing with the program. I love the message that he's bringing to the program. I love what he's trying to, you know, re- relay to the fans. Um, and honestly, like, as much as it hurt in the moment, you know, being a Kansas fan and watching that scene unfold on Tuesday, that's what I love about college basketball. That's what that's what we all love about college hoops is, is the fact that any given night you can get a home crowd behind you, 
and you can really start to roll, and you can knock off one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, just just because you get you had it going that night, and the other team didn't, and the crowd was behind you. And that scene, the the court storming, and all that, it, it's awesome. Like I love it. I want to see more of that. Um, I think college hoops is at its best when you see more of that. So I had no problem with it. I thought it was a, a really cool scene um, overall, and a really difficult game game for both the teams. But now you got a couple sixteen and two teams that are. You know, gonna be fighting at the top of the Big 12 standings, I think, down the stretch here, and that's gonna be awesome. Like, we haven't had that from Kansas State, you know, in you know maybe twice in the past two decades. So I'm excited to see kind of how it unfolds um, going down the stretch there for Kansas, Kansas State, um, and I mean Iowa State, of course, like we mentioned, uh, they knocked off Texas at Hilton on Tuesday, 78-67, kind of took care of business there against Rodney Terry and the, and the Longhorns, and Iowa State is legit. Um, Kansas has got to go there, I think, in the next couple weeks. Um, so that'll be another great game in Hilton. Again, I've always said, you know, I've been saying this for a while. When Iowa State's good, the Big 12 is awesome. Like, I love watching games at Hilton. Like, I hate playing there because it's a difficult game, but I love watching games at Hilton. It's so much fun, um, and it's always a great scene there, and they've got great fans. So excited to see um, how their season kind of wraps up. And then, again, you can't forget about Texas. I mean, they're definitely still um, very relevant in the Big 12. Um, and have the talent and the guys to, to really put it together um, down the stretch. So, yeah, those are kind of the big ones from Tuesday um, and Monday as well. And then Wednesday, really, the only super notable highlight, um, or, I mean, there's a couple, but nothing too crazy. Mizzou took care of Arkansas. I mean, that's kind of a toss-up game. Again, Arkansas on a three-game skid now. Um, we'll get to DePaul Xavier in just a second here at the Musketeer Man at the end. West Virginia pretty handily beat TCU. Um, again, at... West Virginia is always a difficult game. Um, Bob Huggins always brings it, um, especially against his old Big East rival and Jamie Dixon. So, you know, no no real surprises there. But I think TCU, you know, got to got to look to steady things here a little bit. Um, can't fall too many games behind if they still want to be kind of in that conversation of Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas. You know, really looking for that Big Twelve title. Um, and then Seton Hall beat UConn by one and a great finish there. UConn led this game by seventeen. And so, you know, after, Graham, I'll let you go highlights first from kind of the middle of the week. But after that, let's talk a little bit about, you know, UConn and, and if they're, you know, if they really, if you think they really are legit um, and kind of what you think end of season projections look like for the Huskies. Um, for UConn, I, it's, it's a weird case because they started off, like, insanely well. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you know they they beat Alabama like very early on, who, who we both agree now is like got to be one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, when they beat Alabama early on, they beat Iowa State, um, and then they just started off on this tear, just just like destroying uh, Butler, Georgetown, and Villanova. It was like whoa, like I mean, it, it, you know, it was scary. I mean, I remember. You know, I'm always confident when you know Xavier has a game, but when that UConn game came up on New Year's Eve, I mean. There was cause for concern because of how good UConn was at the time. And then, you know, they kind of get into this gauntlet playing at Xavier, at Providence, Creighton, at Marquette. And, you know, they, they pieced together one win out of that stretch. And then it was like, okay, I mean, now you can kind of settle the playing field a little bit. You play St. John's and Seton Hall, kind of two of the lower end teams um, in the Big East. And, St. John's absolutely destroys them, and then Seton Hall, um, you know, climbs back and gets um, a great, uh, great game winner. Um, 
after battling back. I think UConn just has um, kind of just like a very uh, weird case right now. Um, and I, and for me, it's at what point or do you start like scratching your head and be like, is it just like not their year? Is this more of a Xavier Marquette Providence top year? Um, and you know, you got, and then it will be Creighton, Seton Hall, UConn, like kind of fighting for who gets to go to day two in the tournament. And right. I think that, um, UConn really needs to figure it out because while they did so well to start their season, I mean, they were 11 and 0, um, those non-conference games, while they help your resume, they, they aren't going to be any deciding factor um towards the end of the year uh, it if they go below 500 and they're trying to make the tournament i mean i think that's when you, you start looking at a trip to dayton uh for the huskies instead of where at one point you know they were projected one seed right um and i, th- and I think the other thing too i it, like the takeaway from last night as well that i find really interesting is like you know you lose by one to seton hall after being up 17 your head coach Dan Hurley was not available, so I'm not here to speculate or you know say anything about the the interim assistant that took over. But you know, are you concerned that you know maybe not having Hurley on the sideline like really could have affected you in those late game situations? Like I think it might have. So it's just kind of a weird culmination of events um, for the Huskies and stuff too, because you know you you've had a, a run of you know some not great results and like. Now you got to go play, you know, um, excuse me, now you got to go play Butler, um, and then you host Xavier next week, um, you know, and then you're at DePaul at Georgetown. So really a, a good stretch here, you would think, for the Huskies to, you know, outside of the Xavier game being a tough one to really hopefully settle things, playing the three, you know, bottom feeders in the league. But, again, who knows? You know, we don't know what, what's to come from the Huskies, and, you know, I think they would do well to go 3-1 and one or 4-0 oh in that stretch, but... You know, who knows what's coming for the Huskies kind of looking forward after a couple tough losses here. So, all right, well, that kind of wraps up. Did you have anything else you want to say about middle of the week? Or All right, well, we will keep rolling then. Um, two other kind of big headlines across the sport. Darius Miles, um, Alabama basketball player, has been removed from the team, removed from campus, and has been arrested on um, capital murder for providing a gun. Uh, in a fatal shooting. Um, just a really awful and, and sickening story um, and kind of an interesting timing. He was removed from the team Saturday and then the incident happened Sunday morning. Um, you know, he, or he, was, yeah, he was removed from the team and said to, that he would be out for the rest of the season. We're not here to speculate, obviously. Um, he's been taken to prison and will be kind of awaiting trial. Um, obviously not firing the gun will help his case there um but clearly you know a really awful situation um involving a, an Alabama basketball player and just felt that we had to touch on it um and at least mention it here on the podcast to keep us all updated but again um you know our thoughts are with the with the Alabama community and in a obviously a tough time for you know that community and that's in that city so really unfortunate news um but felt that we had to touch on it here on the pod and then the other one that uh, came as, I, I don't know, and maybe I'm missing something here, uh, and Graham, you can kind of go deeper on this, but came as a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, Mike Bray, Notre Dame head coach, is retiring after the season, does plan to retire after this year. Um, 
a little bit of a shocker to me. I, I didn't have him pinned. It's kind of the next one to be out soon. Um, so Graham, if you want to kind of, you know, break that down for us, what you know, any big takeaways was a big shock to you as well. Um, and anyone, you know, kind of quick in your head that, that you'd think might take the spot. Obviously, I think Notre Dame probably looking at some smaller, um, you know, smaller school coaches that you might take that spot. But, uh, yeah, let's take it from there. Yeah, I think it did. It came to a big surprise to me. Um, I mean, Notre Dame has been pretty lackluster uh, this year. Um, they've been struggling to stay afloat in the ACC. But at the same time, I mean, he's relatively young. I mean, he isn't like a, you know, Jim Beheim level old. Right. Um, it, it, I think the most confusing part is that it came, it came out now. I feel like this is more of like an end of the season type deal, um, usually. So it was really, really weird. Um, That's what I thought, too. Like, it was very interesting to see that he was like, yeah, I'm going to finish the season, but I'm going to retire after the year, you know, and especially after a kind of lackluster start. Yeah, it's a, it's very weird. Um, and I think in the coaching carousel this offseason, the one name that's going to get brought up all the time Pat Kelsey. is Pat Kelsey at Charleston. Um, he's done an unbelievable job there. He did an unbelievable job at Winthrop, um, and he had, you know, great assistant time uh, at Xavier under Chris Mack. He has a wealth of experience for still being a relatively younger guy. He's 45. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the Notre Dame job is uh, highly coveted. I was going to say, do you think that's a high net? Like, would he, would Pat Kelsey, like, try and wait it out and see if he could get a better job, or do you think he'd jump on the Notre Dame job? I, I think it, Notre Dame's weird um, because you have such a big brand. You have Notre Dame fans all over the country. For sure. Um, but at the same time, they don't really have, like, a basketball brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess that's going to be weird what direction they go. Um, yeah, you, so you've got him. Martin Inglesby is the head coach of Delaware. Um, he's a former Bray player and assistant coach. Um, so he's another name to keep an eye on. Um, and then the other big one, I think, too, is, is Darian DeVries from Drake. Um, I would be kind of surprised if he took this job, um, similar to Pat Kelsey. Um, but I think those are kind of the three big ones right now. I know I saw some speculation about John Beeline. I don't think he's coming back to the NCAA um, and doing college basketball anymore. And then uh, Mark uh, Beington, Byington, uh, James Madison. He's also had a successful run of it. Um, he's got kind of ACC roots there as well. So those are kind of the big headlines um, coming out of you know coming out of that uh, story there. <clears throat> and then the other one that, that's always fun that I love watching get thrown around is Rick Pitino. But I I don't think that that's happening anytime soon. So all right, we have arrived at the Musketeer minute. Uh, Graham, why don't you, I'll let you start us off. I mean, obviously last night was a, a tough game to take, a difficult one. But again, this is coming off of, you know, we haven't talked yet, Creighton win, a great win at home, and then, of course, another great win at home over the weekend against Marquette. Um, what are your biggest takeaways from where Xavier's at? How do we steady the ship? Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, both of us would agree that Xavier Nation kind of as a whole just needs to take a collective deep breath um, and know it's going to be okay. Yeah, I think... Um the Creighton and Marquette games were great examples of what this team can be. You know, battled it. You know, those were hard-fought games, being down uh, big points um, throughout the entire game, and to kind of just take a grip. Uh, the final few minutes, um, hit big shots. Sule Boom has been unbelievable um, with the clutch gene. Um, but you know, the big storyline obviously is going to be you know the one red L that we're going to have in the past. Uh, 12 games and 
Um, I think the DePaul game isn't anything to worry about because if you could say, like, all the negative things that could happen in a game, like, it happened. Right. Like, DePaul played amazing defense. DePaul hit threes that, threes. threes that they have not hit all year. And um, our, one of our two driving forces on offense, Colby Jones and Sule Boom, you know, have a night that neither of them are going to have for the rest of the year, let alone on the same night. Agreed. Um, and you lose by one on the road. Right. In the Big East. The fact that our two best players combined, what was it, three of 26 from the field? I mean, it was, it was utterly ridiculous. And we still lost by one? Like, or I guess our two two of our best scorers, because you can't discount the big guys. And Nunji and Freeman both had really, really good games last night um, in response to that. But, yeah, I mean, to see Boom and, and Jones go three of 26 and to still lose by one on the road is, is pretty impressive to show kind of the grit of this team. Yeah, I, th- I think the... Uh weird part about this is that this Georgetown game suddenly became very important um, because you need a win and not only that I think you need a statement kind of like swagger win I think this is giving me like the same vibes of the Georgetown game last year Mm -hmm. uh, when we drop you know five of our seven games and then you have to play Georgetown senior night I mean this is a game that like no one would have circled but we needed a win and we needed a statement win going into the Big East tournament last year and, you know, Nate Johnson hits eight threes, and yeah. uh, Paul has a great, you know, exiting night. Um, yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think I think if you talk to anyone in the Xavier fan base and you told them, hey, January 19th, you're going to be 15-4, and four, you're going to be 7-1 with solo lead in the Big East. Yeah. And I think anyone would take yeah, that. Yeah, th- I don't think there's anything to complain about right now. Not at all. Um, you know, the Georgetown game, I think if we get a big statement win, Maybe, I mean, you you want to win regardless, no matter how many points, but it would be awesome if, you know, get some of, you know, the Kikis, the Cam Crafts, the Cesar Edwards involved, maybe just because um, we get a big win. Uh, because the, the next three games are, it's tough. Yeah. It will be a singular road trip to go at UConn and then at Creighton um, in the same week, and that's going to be very difficult. Um and then you get to go home after you know being on the road for a week. You have a prep for a few days, and then you play Providence. Who you haven't seen yet this year. Yeah. So th- this could very well be um, a very, very difficult um, next three games if you get through Georgetown. But I, I think that the DePaul game isn't anything to really worry about. Um, we you know kind of circled this at UConn, at Creighton, Providence stretch and we also um in the start of the season um circled this you know january slate of playing you know new year's eve U- uconn at villanova creighton marquette um you went 4-0 in that stretch yeah it's and, super impressive yeah and if you looked at you know uconn nova creighton marquette to paul game and you told me we went four out of five i mean i'd be through okay. i'd be through the roof right i mean if it means that we lost to paul i mean what are you gonna do? I mean, that's probably, the, that's probably the the last loss you'd want to take. But still, if you win the other four, it's not really that big of a concern. And I think that the Xavier faithful are kind of still trapped in the past couple years. For sure. Where it's like, oh, we lost to Paul. That's terrible for our resume. Right. The resume doesn't matter if you win the Big East. Exactly. That's what we were talking about earlier. It's like if if you win the Big East, it doesn't really matter where 
you know, your resume sits because, you know, so long as you win a couple games in the biggest tournament, like, you're probably guaranteed a top three seed. I, yeah. I would be, it would be hard to imagine a world where the biggest champion is a fourth seed. Like, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I don't think that there's much um, to be concerned about. But at the same time, like, you have to take that game for what it is. We played very bad and lost. Super poor. And we lost to. Uh, a not, not great team. Yeah. Um, so take it for what it is. Um, I think you have to be able to, you know, examine what you did, examine what you didn't do, and then, you know, go into the Georgetown game, um, guns a-blazing, hopefully, you know, get get hot quick, you know, get the crowd back involved, get the juices back. Um, I mean, the best part about the AP poll, you know, it's once a week. We're still the eighth best team in the country. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if we get the juices back going into a very tough next three games, um... I think it becomes more acceptable. I mean, if we lose two of those three games, like, I mean, you don't want that to happen, but, like, I mean, it's very realistic. For sure. Um, And I think I agree with you. I think this Saturday is all of a sudden a very good opportunity to really get the swagger back and, like, remind this, not only the fans, but this team especially, be like, hey, you can go do this. Like, Like, you can run this offense, and you can, you know, play with some swagger and play with some enjoyment and some passion. And I think that... This is a really good chance to do that on Saturday in front of a, a, a friendly home crowd, you know, and then be and then kind of rolling, you know, like you got it going uh, into into stores on Wednesday and then on the road in Omaha. So, alrighty, well that will wrap us. Um, thank you all for joining us. Solid little pod there. On again Thursday, January nineteenth, uh, it's eight forty-five p.m. We're wrapping it up. Um, I'll get this up tonight so you all can. Drop a listen. Get ready for the weekend. Uh, and this next week is Xavier Hoops. So thank you all for joining us again, uh, as always. And we will catch you all next week on the Norwood Noise Podcast. Cheers.